you are listening to the Sermon Audio Podcast from Heights Baptist Church in Alvin, Texas. For more information about our church, you can find us at heightschurch.org. Well, good morning again. I hope you are doing well. If you're a guest with us today, uh, my name's Lee, and so it's good to have you. And uh, for everybody that's in the worship center, you can take out this welcome card that is right in front of you. Uh, online, you can click the Digital Connect uh, link there and let us know if you're visiting with us online uh, this morning. But for everybody that's in front of me, if you have a prayer request this morning, you can write down uh, in the prayer request section maybe your request, your need of prayer. If you make a decision during our worship service, you can write that down as well. If you're a guest with us, uh, let us know who you are so we can connect and follow up with you a little bit better. And one thing we're doing right now is an invite challenge. We have, as a church, committed to invite 1,000 1,040 people throughout the rest of this year uh, to our worship services, whether it be online or in person throughout the rest of 2020. And you see the impact of that invite already this year uh, from Charles inviting Daryl and his family uh, to a worship service. And then they came and, you know, came to Heights and uh, fell in love with the place. We fall in love with them. And uh, now they're baptized as believers in Jesus Christ. So one little invite can have a big, big difference in the life of someone else. So if you've had a chance to invite someone this week, or maybe in the last couple weeks, just right there in that prayer section, you can just write a number down. Just write that number of how many that is. You don't have to put your name to it, and uh, we'll add that to our tally. You know, I got a shot to invite someone this week in a very unusual way, and this is a a reason I think sometimes we need to pray and and just have our kind of little spiritual antennas up. There's times where I'll, uh, in my morning prayer time, just, you know, ask God, give me a shot, give me an opportunity to maybe have a gospel conversation with somebody or invite somebody this week uh, to church when I'm just kind of out and about. Help me to be aware of those moments. And so I'm, I'm in the doctor's office and I've, you know, got my mask on because try to be a good citizen and follow the rules, right? So, you know, I'm wearing my mask, I'm talking to the nurse and the mask I have is from the North American Mission Board and on it, it says sin relief. Now, Sin relief is the kind of slogan for the disaster relief part of North American Mission Board. So I'm sitting there talking to a nurse, and, you know, she's asking me all the vital questions and things. And she looks at me, and she's like, sin relief? What's that? And I look back at her, I'm like, what are you talking about? <laughs> she said, on your mask, it says sin relief. What's that about? It's like, oh, oh, okay. I said, well, I, I, I go to a church that belongs to the Southern Baptist Convention, and we support what's called the North American Mission Board, and Sin Relief is work that Southern Baptists do. I said, we're the third largest disaster relief organization in the United States, and so we at disaster sites go out and cook meals for people, and you know, we have chainsaw crews and laundromat units and shower units, and, and we go out, and we, we help people when they need help. And she looked back at me, and she goes, wait, Christians would do that? I'm like, yeah, Christians do that. And I said, you know, the church I go to, if you're ever around Alvin, like we'd love to have you at Heights or you check us out online, here's where you can find us. And hopefully, maybe she's watching this morning. But just right there, a mask gave you an opportunity to invite someone this week. So you never know uh, where that invite challenge might happen. And so uh, be on the watch out for it and take that opportunity uh, that God gives you. If you got a Bible this morning, I want to invite you to open to Ephesians chapter 3. And so if you've got one to turn on, 
on on your phone or maybe a copy uh, uh, of God's Word in your hand. Let's go to Ephesians chapter 3, and uh, you saw the work of Vacation Bible School. I'm going to talk to you a little bit more about uh, what you guys did over this past week and and how awesome that was. But Ephesians chapter 3 is where we're going to be this morning. So I'm going to invite you to pray with me here, invite you in your home. Let's pray together as well. So Father God, thank you so much for this morning. We thank you for the opportunity we have been able to uh, celebrate you uh, through song, to celebrate in baptism this morning. Uh, Now we get to celebrate who you are by opening up your word. And so I pray this morning that no no matter where we are, uh, no matter when we hear this message, uh, that Father, whether it's today in this worship service or in homes right now or maybe later in the week when someone's going to watch or listen, uh, that Father, your Holy Spirit will work in our minds, work in our hearts, uh, will change our actions that we may better honor Uh, and glorify you. Father, we want to ask this morning, you help us to learn how to pray uh, so that we may bring you more glory. We ask in Jesus' name, amen, amen. You know, in 2013, there was a movie uh, by the name of Gravity that came out. Sandra Bullock and George Clooney were the stars in the movie, and the movie takes place up in space. And it's about this routine mission that George Clooney and Sandra Bullock are on uh, that turns out not to be routine at all because debris from a Russian missile crashes into their spaceship. And when it crashes in their spaceship, they become separated. And the whole movie is about them trying to get back to Earth safely. But Sandra Bullock's character realizes she's not going to make it back. Uh, There's no way she's been separated and her death is coming. And I want you to listen to what she says about that moment when she realizes there's no hope for survival. She says, I'm going to die. Everyone dies, but I'm going to die today. No one will mourn me. No one will pray for my soul. I've never prayed. No one taught me how. Has anyone ever taught you how to pray? I mean, isn't it interesting that uh, you can think of prayer, as one person has put it, as the native language of our soul. I mean, prayer, it it seems like it would come natural to all of us. It's a conversation that we can have with God. But why is it in the Gospels that the disciples asked Jesus to teach them to pray? The only time they ever asked Jesus to teach them to do anything, teach us how to pray. Why do we have to be taught how to pray? I mean, am I the only one in here that in prayer sometimes struggles to know what to pray? Or maybe you start out praying about this, and then you end up way over here, and you feel like you've just been meandering through prayer the whole time? You ever feel like the prayers just stop at the roof, wondering if they really have any good, any effect? I mean, Paul is modeling a prayer for us in Ephesians chapter 3. And what we're doing this morning is we're starting a new series called Prayer Works, because that's what we believe. The Bible would teach us that prayer does that. It works. When we pray, things happen. God moves. God works after prayer. And so over the next several weeks, we're going to talk about how to pray, why it's important to pray, what to do. Uh, Maybe some of you are, are sitting here thinking about this already this morning, what to do when God seems silent when God's not answering your prayer request as quickly as you want him to answer you, and how to pray with power. 
But in Ephesians chapter 3, Paul is going to outline a very, very practical way for you to pray. And I love this passage because it just gives us a blueprint of how you can pray for me, how I can pray for you, how you can pray for one another. And so let's look this morning and ask God to teach us how to pray just like Paul prayed so he will do more than we can ever think and realize. Pick up in verse 14 with me. He says, for this reason I bow my knees before the Father, from whom every family in heaven and on earth is named. Now, Paul starts there with the reason to pray. And he says, here's why you should pray. Now, if you are reading your Bible on one morning, you just pick up this passage and you start in verse 14, the transitional phrase there that should kind of jog something in your mind is for this reason. So when you read that, for this reason, you ought to stop and think, well, wait a minute. What's the reason that I ought to pray? He's talking about prayer. He's going to give me a prayer I can pray, but, but why pray? What's the reasons that Paul's saying in verse 14 that I bow my knees before the Father? So what we would want to do is we want to move up in verses 1 through 13 to better set the context of what we're going to read. So Paul in verses 1 through 13 of chapter 3 is outlining for you ways uh, to pray and why to pray. And he's saying, hey, here's this great salvation that we have in Jesus Christ. Look in verse 6 for me. And look at what he says there in verse 6. Here's a great reason to pray. He says, the mystery that the Gentiles are fellow heirs, members of the same body, and partakers of the promise in Jesus Christ through the gospel. And so one of the reasons we ought to pray and, and thank God for what he's done is he's put Jews and Gentiles together in a church. He's saying, you know, this is Christ who unites us racially. No matter the color of our skin, the language we speak, that in Christ, we are brothers and sisters in Christ, no matter where we live, no matter who we are, no matter our background, no matter our education level, our economic levels, that in Christ, we're unified, Jews and Gentiles together. We thank God for that. He's brought us together. And so for this reason, we pray because of what he's done there. But I want you to notice verse 12. He gives you another reason to pray. He says, in whom we've had boldness and access with confidence through our faith in him. A reason you ought to pray is because Christ has now made a way for you to pray. He's bringing you into the presence of God. I mean, stop and think about that. When you pray, you have the ear of the eternal God. That the eternal God is saying, I'm listening to you right now because you're in Christ. Because of what Christ has done for you. We as sinners get to come into his presence because of Jesus. And we can come, what does the text say? With confidence. We can come with boldness. We can come praying because of what Christ has done. And so Paul's saying for those reasons, verses 1 through 13, we pray. And notice the posture of prayer in verse 14. He says, for this reason, I bow my knees before the Father. And so let's, let's talk about prayer and just getting a little practical. Let's, let's talk about posture. What does he mean when he says he bows my knee uh, before the Father? Well, I think he means two things there. First, if you think of posture of prayer in your heart, that the Bible would say our posture of prayer ought to be humbleness. We, we come humbly before the Lord. We come in humility in prayer. 
we come with gratefulness in our hearts when we pray. So we shouldn't treat prayer like we just rush into God's presence and say, oh God, God, here's the list of things I need to do today. You know, one through 10, check back with you at five o'clock. Let me know how you're going to do, right? But, but isn't that the way we kind of treat prayer? Like, God, all right, you're my, you're my heavenly vending machine. <laughs> you know, and I, I'm just going to let you know what I want, and I need you to give it to me because this is what I want. And so what we'll tend to do in prayer, and this is where we've got to watch our heart, is we'll make it very transactional. Okay, God, I showed up. I worshiped today. I skipped every other row like they told me to. I wore my mask. I even hand sanitized on my way in the door. God, aren't you glad that I, I sang when the praise team sang? Lord, I've been good. I've been moral. I've not been like the people I see on the news. Therefore, when I pray, you need to give me what I'm asking for. Right? How many of us have slipped into that and may not even know we're there? And we want to make this very transactional. God, I'm doing this. You ought to do this. I'm doing this. You ought to do this. Is that a posture of, of our heart we want in prayer? I don't think that's what Paul's saying. Paul's saying when you realize the salvation we have in Christ, when you realize the gift of prayer, it's not about a transaction. It's not a give and a take. But it's coming to him with, with humility, with graciousness, in this relationship, in prayer. And so our, our hearts ought to be bowed before him. But what about our physical posture? What's the right posture to pray in? Paul says here he bows his knees. But, you know, the, the typical posture for a, a Jew in prayer would be to stand. You know, they, they stood in prayer. Very rarely in the Bible do you see Jews bowing in prayer. Now, there's a few instances of that. Uh, Solomon bows in prayer when they're dedicating the temple. Jesus gets on his knees in the Garden of Gethsemane when he's praying. Paul, in front of the uh, elders of Ephesus in Acts chapter 20, bows in prayer with them. So what's right? Because in the Bible, you'll see them bowing in prayer, standing in prayer. Is it okay to sit in prayer? Is it okay to drive and pray? Yes, cautiously with your eyes open, right? But is that okay? I mean, is it okay to turn the, you know, your, your radio off and just talk to God and pray when you drive? Is it okay to walk and pray? Is it okay to jog and pray? Right? What, what's the physical posture of prayer? I'd say all those physical postures are okay. I mean, what do you think God's after in prayer? Is God so worried about whether you're sitting or standing or driving or running or, or sleeping or laying down or, 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 you know, watching TV and praying? Do you think God's really worried about that? Or what, what would God be concerned about, you think? God's concerned about the heart. Is our heart right in prayer? Is the heart postured right when we pray? And so he says, for all these reasons, I'm praying. I have access to God. I have a family now that, that's made up of the nations. I've been brought in to the church because of Jesus. But I want you to notice now the request of prayer. And this is where kind of the rubber meets the road. And this is where you and I can get very, very practical. And so if you've got your, your iPhone open, you can open to the notes section and just kind of write down these three ways. Or maybe you can take out a pen and, and write out the three ways that Paul gives us to pray. Verse 16. This is the first, that according to the riches of his glory, he may grant to you to be strengthened with power 
through his spirit in your inner being. So the first way you can pray for someone is that they be strengthened spiritually. All right, so I want to pray that someone is strengthened spiritually, praying that they have spiritual strength, that they can stand up against temptation, they can fight against sin in their life, they'll have boldness in the gospel proclamation and inviting someone. I mean, just think about this, this is as practical as it is. Dear God, I'm praying for David today. I pray that David would have spiritual strength the temptations he's facing in his life, the situations. I pray you will make him spiritually strong. I pray that as maybe he gets a chance to invite his friends to church, that you would give him the strength to be able to do that. Give him the strength to be able to do what you're calling him to do. We want to pray that people are spiritually strengthened in their lives. But notice the second prayer. Verse 17, he says, we want to pray that Christ would dwell in our hearts. That Christ would dwell in our hearts. Look in verse 17. He says that so Christ may dwell in your hearts through faith. That you being rooted and grounded in love. So we want to pray that that person who knows Jesus is rooted in Christ. That Christ is dwelling in their hearts. God, I want to pray for Anna today. I want to pray that you would take root in her life. I want to pray that you would dwell in her heart and you would find a home in her heart. That, God, she would love you and you would love her. And, Lord, you would just make a home in her heart. You know, many of you have seen the show Fixer Upper with Chip and Joanna Gaines. And for those of you that may have never seen it, I'll let you know how the show works. It's a pretty typical format all the time. And they take a couple out and they help this couple buy a Fixer Upper. And then they meet with the couple and they say, okay, this is how we're going to fix this house up. You know, the, the roof's leaking or maybe there's new paint that needs to happen, new walls. So they go in with their remodeling team and they give them a, you know, a new house. They change the walls. They knock out walls. They paint walls. They put down new floor. They, they do all these remodeling because what they've done is they fixed up this house. So now when the couple moves in, they can dwell in the house. That they're at home in that house. They feel comfortable in that house. Well, understand Jesus says to you and me, hey, you're a fixer-upper. Now, when you give your life to Jesus Christ, you're a believer in him. You're saved by him. But then Jesus moves in. And when Jesus moves in, he goes, oh, okay, listen, I I found some things we got to remodel. If I'm going to live here inside of you, I got to make it a place in your heart where I can dwell. So right now, I see a pornography issue. I see a jealousy issue. I see an anger issue. I see a bitterness issue. I see an unforgiveness issue. And I've got to come in, and I've got to remodel and get all of that out. That's what we call sanctification, that Christ is the progressive work of making you more like him as a believer. He's saying, if I'm going to dwell here, here's where I've got to be comfortable. I've got to do some remodeling in your life. And so you and I ought to pray for that. Pray for each other that Christ would dwell in our hearts. Pray, verse 16, that they'd be spiritually strong. But I want to give you the third way to pray. Paul says, pray that they would know the love of God. Pray they would know the love of God. It says in verse 18, that they may have strength to comprehend with all the saints what is the breadth, the length, the height, and the depth. And to know the love of Christ that surpasses knowledge that you may be filled with all the fullness of God. He's saying pray that that person would know 
the love of God. You know, in your life, I'm sure it has happened to you at some point. You probably remember when it happened. You still feel the pain of it. You still remember what you were wearing or where you were. You still can hear the person's voice in your head. When that time, when someone looked at you and said five words to you that's caused a scar, that's caused you to be wounded, caused you to have some despair. It might have been a spouse who said it to you. It might have been a parent before they left. It could have been someone you were dating. It could have been someone that you were engaged to at one point. But for many of us, we have heard the hurtful five words, I do not love you. I do not love you. And for many of you this morning, you can still feel the weight of that. Well, I want you to hear these words. That in Christ Jesus, God loves you. This is the God who came to Job and said, Job, I'm the one who put all the stars in the sky. In Christ, I love you. This is the God who came to Elijah when Elijah was depressed and had suicidal thoughts. And he said, Elijah, in Christ Jesus, I love you. This is the God when David came to him and confessed his sin to him. He said, David, in Christ Jesus, I love you. This is the God when Mary Magdalene came to him and begged for mercy. He looked at her and said, Mary, no matter who you are, what you've done, in Christ Jesus, I love you. This is the God who, while Christ was on the cross, put all of our sin upon himself. This is the God who said, while Christ is here, I am showing you how much I love you, that my son Jesus is dying for you while you are still a sinner. Listen this morning, you need to hear these three powerful words that will erase the pain of the five words. God loves you. Let those words sink in. Let those words find depth and root in your life. And you and I ought to pray for each other that we would know the riches and the depths and the heights and the lengths of God's love for us in Christ Jesus. And so we pray for people to be spiritually strong. We pray for Christ to dwell in our hearts. We pray for others to know the love of Christ. But why pray? Why pray? See, Paul's going to give us the result of prayer in verses 20 through 21. But before we read those verses, just answer that question in your mind. Why, why pray? Why do it? Well, I know for some of you, you're already thinking of your answer. Because I want something. Right? Well, that's why I'm praying. I'm sick. I need healing. Or this person needs a job. Or this person needs this. That's why I pray. For, for that to happen. And that's okay. I mean, look, you, you need healing. You need a job. You need God to step into somebody's life and do something. That, that's fine to pray. But I'm going to push you, and I'm going to show you a deeper reason why we ought to pray. And that prayer that you and I pray for others should have this type of result in our minds and our hearts. Look at what he says in verse 20 through 21. He says, Now him to him who is able to do far more abundantly than we can ask or think according to the power at work within us. To him be the glory in the church 
and in Christ Jesus throughout all generations forever and ever. So Paul's saying this, yes, bring your request to God, but you and I ought to pray that God would do far more than we can realize so that he receives glory. And where does he receive glory? Is it out among people who don't know Christ? No. Where does he receive glory? What does it say in the text? In the church, among us, as believers in Jesus Christ. So what does that word glory mean? The word glory means honor. When we glorify God, we honor God. We, we see a culture that glorifies and honors people all the time. Uh, just take, for instance, when you're watching sports right now, and you're you know, maybe watching the Astros. Anybody gotten used to watching sports with no fans? It's weird, isn't it? Am I the only one that just is weirded out by the cardboard cutouts sometimes? I just, I don't, I just, I still haven't quite wrapped my round around them playing with no fans. It's just weird, right? But let's say one of the Astros, Altuve, hits a walk-off home run, and he's rounding third base, and he's coming home, and there are his teammates ready to receive him from a safe distance COVID, you know, air high fives, right? So maybe we got to go back in our minds to last season. All right, so if last season, what are they going to do when he runs around home plates and he steps on home plate for hitting that home run? What are they gonna, they're going to mob him, right? They're going to jump up and down, and they're going to lift him up and, you know, pat him on the head and give him a high five and get him a hug. What are they doing? They're honoring him. They're glorifying him. Maybe when you're, you've been to a play and the actors at the end of the play come out onto the stage and they're giving their curtain call and the crowd stands up and gives them a standing ovation. What are they doing? They're honoring them. They're glorifying them. So what's Paul saying? That when you and I pray and we're praying for the things we're praying for, we're asking God to do more than what we can think and realize so that we may glorify him more and more. So that we may give him glory in the church. I mean, stop and think about why you are praying for what you're praying for. See, I want to see God do more than I can ever imagine. We have the ear of the eternal God. What are you bringing him? You have the ear of the Almighty when you pray. What are you asking him to do? See, we ought to say, God, look, I'm going to put all this help before you. But you do way more than this. That's what we're asking for you to do. Because we want to honor you and glorify you in the church. Church, let's do this exercise together this morning, shall we? Let's just step back for a few moments and let's honor and glorify God for what he's done over the last several months in the life of our church. I'm going to take you back to January. There was a conversation in January that Pastor Matt and I had where we were sitting down, we were discussing things, and I I said, look, hey, you know, I I know we audio record the the worship services and we put them online and we got the podcast and all that. I said, is there any way like we can video it, you know, like have it on Facebook live and for people to come back and He's like, sure, it's going to take this, this, and this. I'm like, okay. And, and listen, guys, in my mind, I, I, I know a little bit of technology, but I don't know a whole lot. My, my thought is you just buy a camera, you plug in a few cords, and boom, you're there. I mean, like, all the praise team's like, oh, because that's not it. Like, I mean, that's not it. But Matt's like, yeah, we can, we can get working on that. So Matt and, and a lot of our praise team and tech people, I mean, they worked so hard from January up to Rodeo Sunday to get this ready. I mean, just hours and hours and hours. And again, I'm just like, just plug it in and turn it on. I don't know what else to do. I mean, all the intricate things that it has to happen to make this, this go on. 
we didn't really make it very public, but Rodeo Sunday, we did a test live stream service. And, and on Rodeo Sunday, we, we had it on Facebook Live. You know what? It went horrible. <laughs> horrible. And that is not because of Pastor Matt. That is not because of our tech team. Nobody's fault. But do you know where Satan lives on a Sunday morning? It's in technology. And I mean, it was just awful. And I felt so bad for Matt because he came back and he, I was like, how'd the test service go? And he was like, oh my gosh, this is bad. And so the next night I'm talking to the deacons and the deacons me, I was like, guys, pray for Matt. I mean, he, poor guy's been working on this for months and months and months. And I know he's close. I know he's just right there. But there's just something just still not clicking and I just feel bad for him. He's getting discouraged. Tom Evans, one of our deacons, goes, well, you know, I know a guy at NASA that what he does is he gets the media up to the space station. So like he, you know, when they want to watch movies and stuff like that, this guy's job is to get movies up to the space station. You mind if I hook him and Matt up? I'm sure he can fix it. I'm sure that guy could fix Heights Baptist Church media <laughs> issues. Like, sure, let's do that. You know, they had a conversation. You know what happened two weeks later? We were fully online, ready to go. Why? Because God did far more than we could ever think and imagine back in a conversation we had in January. You know, this year, because of your giving, not only have we been able to do what we do, but we've been able to push out even further in different ministries. Because so far this year, to date, you've given more than you did last year to date. God's doing far more than you can ever think and imagine and realize in your giving. So far since we've been back on campus in just the short time, the last few months, we've already baptized five people. Why? Because God does far more than we can ever realize. You saw the Vacation Bible School video. Last few weeks, you pass out 4,000 door hangers uh, in our community. God does far more than you can ever imagine. With daycare and our children who registered online, we had over 300 kids register for Vacation Bible School virtually this year. I mean, it's amazing. Over 30 different cities in Texas registered. Three different states and a very precious family we know in Kenya registered. What happened? God took what we had no idea a few weeks ago how it would work and did far more than we could ever think or imagine. I mean, do you see what God's doing in the life of our church? See what God's doing in your life right now? is all these things where we go, we don't know how this is going to work. We don't know what's going to happen here. We don't know what's gonna, tomorrow's going to bring. God's like, look, just bring it to me. Step back and watch me do more than you can realize. But give me glory. And so church, I don't know about you, but I'm ready just to glorify God for all those things. When I stop and think, about one of the biggest outreaches we did to kids all year long right here in Vacation Bible School. And we go, hey, we don't know if we can do it this year here, so let's take it to the park. Well, oops, we can't do it at the park. Hey, I know, like, let's put it online. And then again, I went to Caroline. I was like, hey, can you do it online? Thinking, ah, just shoot a few videos and put it up there. But man, she went far more than we ever can think. And when I had to stand up before you last few weeks ago and say, hey, we're going to do virtual VBS Man, the looks you guys were giving me, I, I've seen lead balloons fly higher than the way that announcement went. But what did God do? He did far more than we can realize. And so this morning, let's give him glory for everything he's been doing. Amen? If you're at home, 
you click that like button, you click that heart button right now because God is working. You know, this week when you pray, I'm sure the struggle you're going to have is not, not praying. I'm sure many of you are going to pray. But the struggle many of you are going to have this week is not enjoying God in prayer. Rushing in and just giving them your list and moving on. Instead, what I want to challenge you to do this week is to set aside time where you can get alone with the Lord and, and be still. Come into his presence. Thank him for all that you, he has done. And to say, Lord, for these reasons, I'm going to pray this week. And Lord, I'm going to pray for someone to be spiritually strong. I'm going to pray for the love of Christ to be rooted in their heart. I'm going to pray this week that they would know how much you love them. And God, whatever I'm bringing to you this week, I'm going to ask you to do far more than I can realize so that we may give you glory in the church. I'm going to invite you to pray right now with me. As you're at home, you pray with us right here in the worship center. If you'll just bow your head and close your eyes. I want you this morning to pray for the person who is on your right or who's on your left. If you're right, if you have somebody on both sides, you pray for both of them. But right now, just put into practice what we just learned. Just pray for that person. Dear God, I want this person to be spiritually strong this week. Just pray, God, help Christ dwell in their hearts. Lord, help them to know how much you love them. Will you pray that? As you're praying for that person right next to you in those ways, I want to invite you, if you're in our worship center or you're at home, if you're ready to give your life to Jesus Christ today, you call out to God. Romans 10, 13 just simply says, whoever calls on the name of the Lord shall be saved. And today, right where you are, no matter when you're listening to this, no matter the location you're hearing it, the Bible says if you'll admit your sin, you'll believe in Jesus Christ and receive him in your life, you'll be saved. And you simply can do that by just praying, talking to God, letting him know what's on your heart and your mind. Father God, we thank you for prayer. We thank you for the relationship that we can have with you in prayer. And Lord, I pray for those that are at home watching, for those that are here in this worship center, that this week that they will be spiritually strong, that they will be rooted in Christ, and Father, they will know how much that you love them in Christ Jesus. Lord, we thank you for what you are doing. We pray you will do far more than we can ever realize. And Lord, help us to glorify you and honor you. We pray in Christ Jesus. Amen.